We're ready to jump in here. Okay, we are fruit of the Spirit in everyday life, Galatians 6. Uh, we're going to read that first paragraph, Galatians 6, 6 through 10, and try to break that down and see what the Lord has for us. So Leif, if you'll go ahead and read that for us, my brother. That the one who's taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Alrighty, this is the second paragraph that um, we have in chapter 6. And he talks here about uh, doing good. And some of you have always done this. He's speaking about our material things. And uh, some of you have always done this, as I said, and some of you have started doing this. And uh, awesome. We notice this is where Paul uh, brings in sowing and reaping. The other text that uh, Steve has used recently, I want to take a look at and do a little comparing and contrasting, uh, is used in 2 Corinthians, 2 Co, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. So, Michael... Would you be kind enough to read that for us? So in 2 Corinthians 9, uh, the point is this. <clears throat> whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountiful will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. All right. So in this one, uh, Paul uses the, the phrase here, uh, not reluctantly or under compulsion. The common English version puts the phrase this way, uh, but don't feel sorry that you must give. We're good at feeling sorry for ourselves, aren't we? I know I am. And don't feel forced or that you are forced to give. So I want to, in first, sort of uh, compare, as I said, compare and contrast. I want to look at how these phrases are the same, okay? Uh, in the first place, both are about sharing, right? Sharing the, the things that you have. In Galatians, it's talking about sharing with teachers. And um, that sounds a bit self-serving this morning, doesn't it? Uh, but that's what it says, and, um, and then in 2 Corinthians, it's referring to those who are needy. The second way they are the same is that they both say that God will provide to the giver. Okay, sowing and reaping. Then the third way that they are the same, which is uh, very important to us because we've talked a lot about being uh, new covenant believers and the difference between... Um, being um, under the old covenant versus being under the new covenant, the law of Christ, is that both personalize rather than systematize. 
Does that make sense to you? In other words, he talks about doing it as you have opportunity and what is in your heart. Does everybody understand the the point there? In other words, he's not laying a tax on us, right? Uh, Maybe a flat tax, which is often brought up. Everybody needs to give 12% or whatever the case may be, or the tithe or whatever uh, in respect to the teacher or the needy here. Um, uh, he, He makes it personal and applies it to each of us personally. All right, but let's look here now how they are different. Here in 2 Corinthians 9, he's talking about the attitude of Christian giving. And this is important to point out because when we look at 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, at Galatians 6, he's really going to get down and dirty into our business. But here in 2 Corinthians 9, he's, he's talking about our attitude, right? What is your attitude? Because it goes on to say, God loves a cheerful giver. And of course, he's not saying that if you're not a cheerful giver, he no longer loves you. We know that his love started long before the creation uh, for those of his elect, started long before uh, there was a creation. Um, His reference there is to the fact that uh, you're his child and uh, he put that cheerfulness in you and he loves you. So it's talking about the fact that you do it with no regrets, no pressure. You do it out of love and God's love is there. It was decided in your heart and he loves you. But I want you to focus in here on Galatians chapter 6 and notice what he says here is that he is comparing um, the fleshly versus the spiritual attitude of handling material things, or riches. In other words, if I could give you just two words to sort of hold on to this, it's being selfish versus being selfless. And I believe if you're, if you're a Christian, you sort of already grasp that. When we come to Christ, there is a working of the Spirit inside of you that causes you to be a selfless person. And this, in turn, uh, works out in eternal consequences. Let's look at verses 7 through 8 again, if we might. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Now, I really want to delve into this because I've told you before, I come from a very legalistic uh, background, and these verses were taken out of context all the time. And Galatians uh, 6, verses 7 through 8, you can go through the entire book of Galatians. And then as a legalist, these verses were taken to drag you right back under the old covenant. Do not deceive, God is not mocked, you better understand the law of Moses, you're still back there again. But that's not what Paul is doing here. He's taking us back to chapter 5 and pointing out the works of the flesh versus the works of the Spirit. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh 
What are those next two words? Can you read them to me? A couple of you can read. That's pretty good. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit... How many of you can read those next three words? Eternal life. So again, he's talking about our material things or our riches... And he's telling us here, if you sow to the flesh, that is, you use your worldly good solely on yourself and in accord with your selfish desires. Now, this is not me. This is Paul. You will be damned. Paul says that how you spend your your money is related to how you will spend your eternity. You want me to say that again? Or how many are tired of hearing it already once? <laughs> how you spend your money is, how, is related to how you spend eternity. This is in accord with Galatians 5.21, which reads, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul is reminding us that those who do the works of the flesh do not belong, or who practice the works of the flesh, don't belong to whom? I heard one person say it. Should we go back to it? Here, would, uh, Matthew, would you hand me my Bible there? It's to your right, sir. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 5, shall we? We look a little confused. Can you go back to Galatians 5 in your Bible? Galatians chapter 5. What verse were we looking at? 21. 21. Good. How about let's start at verse number 19. All right, let's see. Nathaniel, you're back there. Can you read verse number 19 for us? Are you able to do that? Galatians. I want somebody in the back who could be nice and loud and get us all involved. 519. Yes, sir. Sure. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Okay, stop right there. And such like. Okay, so that takes it. Thank you. Uh, So that takes us to where we're reading now, Galatians 6 and 7, are included in the such like. Okay? All of these refer to selfishness, being self-involved, living for ourselves, rather than living for Christ and others. All right, now verse number 21, if you would. The rest of of 21, yes, sir. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. All right, now who has a question about what I'm trying to relay? Pretty clear to you? All right. I, I see some faces, so I'm just wanting to make sure we understand. All righty then, let's go to verse number nine. Verse number nine says, and I think that uh, Gerald was pointing that, this out this morning, and let us not grow weary. Right? And we all know this happens. It's easy to grow weary. And this brings us to the uh, perseverance of the saints. Paul is encouraging us to persevere. 
Um, and he also exhorts the, Th- the Thessalonian church this way. Second Thessalonians 3.13 says, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in, well, uh, in doing good. Let's continue with that verse. Uh, verses uh, 9 and 10. Hunter, will you read uh, Galatians 6, 9 and 10 for us nice and loud? And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. All right. Do you notice uh, one of the fruit of the Spirit that is mentioned there? Someone? Goodness. Goodness. Very good. Very good, goodness. Absolutely. So the Spirit produces it, but Paul commands it of us. This is one of the many paradoxes in the Christian life. Let's remember, um, goodness is not an abstract feeling, right? But I feel good, right? I may not act good, but I feel good. Therefore, it is good, right? Goodness is an action. And again, in this context, the focus is on doing good financially, But it's also important, I think, for us to point out here, very important, practically speaking, that Paul is laying out some priorities for us, okay? And I think this is vitally important. And honest to Pete, when I got saved, and honest to Judy and and Harold and John as well, but I, I, I wish someone had helped me with these when I first was saved back in 1985. Uh, these uh, these priorities that he is laying out. If you notice in the text here, he says that um, let us do good to everyone. But then notice he says, especially to those who are of the what? Household of faith, the household of faith. So can you help me with an application of that with 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 the cheat sheet in front of you? How does that apply to us? Give me a practical application of that. Well, let's say you set aside $100 and you say, I'm going I'm to give that. So you and your wife pray about that. And then you, and you say, well, who can we give it to? Hey, we're passing a guy on the road down here. And he's out with a sign, homeless. Yeah, do we give it to the homeless guy? Give it 10 bucks. Or, wait a minute, I know there's a guy here from another country and maybe he needs a little help that comes to this fellowship for instance. Let's give it just for him over that Yeah. Everybody hear that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking right now about you. Uh, Noah, is that your name? I'm having a hard time this morning. Sorry about that. Uh, and I'm thinking about you going over to Ireland. Ireland. A place you'll not understand anybody. And uh, I'm thinking about you going over there. And I'm thinking about maybe a missionary I know somewhere else. And uh, boy, I care about both, but I've only got a limited amount of finances. I've got 38 cents. And, uh, and so, you know, and I'm looking at the priorities that, he's laid out, that the Lord has laid out. And so I'm going to take care of someone in the household of faith. Uh, um, you know, here, here you are with me. And so um, I'm going to save my 38 cents for you. And... Uh, $1.25, they used to say, we'll give you $1.25 to go to Bible college. But yeah, that was a great illustration there. If I've got someone hungry here versus someone hungry out there, I care about everyone that's hungry. Does that make sense? 
Okay, well, let's not stop there since somehow there's a blank above the priorities list there. Somehow that happened. Um, uh, let's see here. Paul gave us another verse elsewhere in 1 Timothy 5, 8. Does anybody remember the discussion that's happening in 1 Timothy 5, 8? 1 Timothy 5? I got a uh-huh. What's, a, what, what happened? What's happening there in 1 Timothy? Widows. widows. Yes, yes. Which uh, he's talking about widows here. And so tell us, read that for us, 1 Timothy 5, 8, if you would. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Ah, yes. So he's talking about the widows. And he uses that word again, especially. So look what we have here then. He gives us the priorities even tighter and up close. So now we have members of household relatives, because if we don't take care of the members of our household, he says we're worse than an infidel, an unbeliever, right? So you go give the guy on the street 50 bucks, but your own kids are hungry. You're messing up big time, aren't you? Yeah. Your wife's got holes in her shoes, but you got that homeless guy a new jacket. That's a big mistake, isn't it? And I have a feeling that not only will the Lord help you with that, but that lady that's got holes in her shoes might help you with that too. <laughs> Amen. All righty. So you can see there, he puts members of our household, he puts relatives, then the household of faith, and everyone else. Anybody have any questions or thoughts about that? What Paul is making very basic and clear. Yeah. And sometimes it's difficult, right? Because sometimes, I mean, I mean, I mean, who do we fight with the most? The homeless guy or members of our household? Or do you not want to answer in public? <laughs> and then, and I'll be honest with you, I'll be honest with you. As our economy goes back to the normal world and human history... Uh, I have a feeling that more of us are going to be living with our relatives than we have in the recent past. Because these last 70 years have not been normative to world history. Okay? I mean, I understand that people are like, oh, kids are starting to move back in with their parents. What a bunch of losers, blah, blah, blah. But the truth is, that's the way it has been historically forever. Okay? It's just been since World War II and the GI Bill and that kind of thing that things have changed and, uh, and so forth. And we've become secular and thought differently. But, th but we'll get back to that. And we're going to have to learn to take care of each other once again. All right? All righty. Let's see. Let's move forward now to verse number 11. Paul, this is the last paragraph in the chapter. Paul says, well, what does Paul say here? Stephen, would you read that for us, sir? See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. That's an interesting thing there, right? If you just forget who Paul is and you think about teaching your young kids how to write. <laughs> They're crayons, right? See with what large letters I'm writing with my own hand. Now, a lot of folks think that Paul had an eye disease and so forth, and that may have something to do with it. But 
Either way, what we do understand that what Paul was saying is that he's taking all of this seriously. Okay? Say again? He certainly is. He's letting them know, listen, this is serious to me. This entire letter is serious. I'm writing this myself. This is a very important. These are very important matters. Uh, we believe that uh, this is the first letter that Paul wrote, and he is trying to lay these things out. We've talked much about how he is laying out new covenant theology, and this is a very big deal. All right, we'll move forward to the rest of the paragraph. Uh, verses 12 through 15. Can I get someone to read for me? Some, uh, can you read for us, brother? Can you read this for us? Go ahead, yeah. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that you may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, but with, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Amen and amen, yes. Okay, let's talk about their motives. First of all, these Judaizers' motives. You see in verse 12 and 13, Paul is pointing out what their motives are in respect to trying to get them circumcised. And of course, when you look at someone's motives, that kind of clears things up for you, doesn't it? Do you recognize what their motives are there? Boy, they do want to make a showing in the flesh. Did you say that, Robert? Is that you? Who said that? There we go, Vesso. They want to make a showing. What other motives do you see there? Avoid persecution. They want to avoid persecution. Yes. What do you see at the end of that? Uh, um, maybe in verse number 13 there. They can, boast. they can boast. Well, you guys nailed all three of them, didn't you? They want to put on a show. I don't know why. When I see that, they want to put on a show, I think about... Uh, walking down the runway. What do you, what do you call that? A models. So put on, what is that? It's a show, right? They want to put on a show. They want you to stand out. It reminds me uh, back in the day when we were starting to get our church started there in Virginia Beach. It was already started, but we were trying to get it built up. And then you wanted to get one of your mentors to come in, right? You wanted everybody to put on their Sunday best for this, whatever. We'd get te- uh, a mentor to come in on a Monday night or something. You wanted everybody to show up, whatever you could do. I mean, you'd give something away, what, but you wanted to put on a show. Don't, don't we look good? And you'd want to invite preachers to bring their crowd so it looked like a full auditorium and just to put on a show, right? It's all about putting on a show. How goofy. Well, nothing spiritual at all about it. Not at all. And then to avoid persecution. Oh, my goodness. What Bible were we reading? Or what Bible were they reading? Right? Well, they were reading the Old Testament, weren't they? And uh, if you look at the Old Testament, how often were they wanting God to show up and destroy their persecutors? So imagine the different mindset, right? I mean, imagine they wanted Christ to show up and to destroy and to deliver them from the Romans. 
And that certainly didn't happen. And then they wanted to boast. Wanted to boast. Look how good we're doing. We've got all these people dressed, uh, looking nice, dress right dressed. They're all circumcised. They're all, well, half of them are. And they're all doing the right things. And they're all acting Jewish and, and so forth and so on. They're just doing the right things. But what about Paul's motive? What was Paul's motive? Verse number 14. Be it far from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That was it. Paul's motive was the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me remind you that when Paul talks about the cross, he's not just talking about two pieces of wood stuck in the ground. When he's talking about the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's talking about the death, burial, resurrection, and the coming, the advent of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the whole kit and caboodle. There's your Greek word for the day. Let me add a little Hebrew. He's talking about the whole shebang. Okay, that's your course. All right. He was motivated by the cross. Let's talk about the cross here. I have a few notes written down. The death of the cross. Imagine that was Paul's motive. The death of the cross was what? What was the cross used for in the days of the Romans? It was the penalty for slaves. It symbolized shame, pain, and humiliation. It was the nastiest instrument of execution, and this was Paul's only boast. That's something, isn't it? That's all he had to boast about. Do you recall in 1 Corinthians 2.2 what he said? I know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Be nice if we kind of got off our high horse and that's really what we knew. Philippians 2, 2, or Philippians 2, he writes that Jesus was in the form of God, but made himself nothing. Taking the form of a slave by becoming obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And this is all that Paul boasted in. Here we're reading that the, by the cross, The world has been crucified to us, Paul says, and us to the world. Through the crucifixion of Jesus, the world, listen to this, is dead to us and we are dead to the world. Don't miss this. That is the old world. Through the cross and the resurrection, Christ has started up the new world. Remember in Galatians 1.4, Christ gave Himself for our sins to deliver us from the old world. That is what He called the present evil age. And we read in Galatians 5.24, where it says that those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. So now all we can boast in is the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we read earlier, or what was read to us, is that For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but new creation. 
So we boast in the cross because neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything and new creation counts for everything. The old distinctions, that is circumcision and uncircumcision, mean absolutely nothing. Remember Galatians 5, 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So what matters is new creation, and God forbid that we should boast in anything except the only thing that brought us this thing, and that is new creation. And that is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. That's all we boast in is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all we have to boast in. And what else would we want to boast in? Why else do you have a part in new creation? We have nothing else, do we? By the way, that's why we claim the uh, doctrines of grace. Because that's why I'm a part of new creation. Wasn't because I decided, you know what? I think I'll be a part of new creation. I just think that sounds better to me. No, do you know what? Before I was born again, you know what sounded better to me? My sin, my selfishness, my pleasure, me laying up treasures for myself on earth, me having my own fun, my plan, my desires, my new toys. Anybody else have a similar testimony? But Christ got a hold of me and he said, let me, let me, let me do something here. Hallelujah. All right. Verse number six. Oh, anybody questions? Any questions about, about why you have more to boast about than Jesus? <laughs> it's pretty, if you're a believer, that's pretty self-evident, isn't it? If you're not a believer, it makes zero sense. Verse number 16, let's see, who would like to read, hasn't read? Jason, you want to read that for us, my brother? And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. As for all who walk by this rule, the rule of new creation, boasting in nothing but the cross of Christ, peace and mercy be upon you. Hallelujah. Peace and mercy be upon you if you walk by that rule. And then we're called the Israel of God. Now the word and there is the word kai. Now that really is a Greek word, okay? If you were confused about the other words that I don't recall that I used earlier. The word kai is a conjunction. It can be interpreted as Uh, or translated as the word and, and it most often is translated the word and, but it's very confusing as the word and in this verse. It can also be translated the word again or even. The translation is based on the context. Of course, we know from the book of Galatians that Paul is constantly telling us that we are sons of Abraham, offspring of Abraham, brothers like Isaac, and so forth, by faith and not by birth. Everybody get that? That's Galatians 3.7, Galatians 3.29, Galatians 4.28. 
So many other translations will either put a hyphen there instead of the word and or put the word even there to make it simpler to understand. So the idea being there, if we look at it again, and as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, even upon the Israel of God. In other words, we are the Israel of God. Make sense? Ronnie gets it. Anybody else? Questions, thoughts, worries, concerns? Anybody going to poke your eyeballs, eat worms and die over that? I would make a uh, caution. Uh, we're not certain completely because uh, it's not, Israel of God is not in, it's called acquisition. It's broken by this phrase and peace. And not mercy, sorry. Uh, it's actually upon them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Uh, so it, it could be talking to Gentiles and also to the Israelites believers who follow this. But either way, it's talking about God's people. And the point remains the same either way. Agreed. I, I honestly prefer the, uh, on this verse, the Common English Bible. A Common English version. Sorry. But I didn't record, uh, put it down here, nor do I have my phone with me, because I didn't want it to ring to li- and, um, when the pizza guy got here. So... <laughs> Thank you, sir. Okay, last two verses. A number of you asked me if we'll finish Galatians today. These are the last two verses. Verses 16 and 17. Could I get a reader from over here? Who'd like to read verses 16 and 17? 17 and 18. Yes, let's do that too. <laughs> from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. What a beautiful verse. I do have a humorous thought when I read this verse. It reminds me of a mother having a long day with her kids. And she looks at her kids and says, All right, no one bother me. No one calls me any more trouble the rest of the day. That's what I think of when I read that. I won't tell you how my mom used to say it, but um, it was similar to that. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. It's a very interesting verse, isn't it? It's almost like Paul saying, if you got any questions, refer to chapters one through five. (laughs) All right. But he doesn't quite say it that way because the word for is there. In other words, because I bear my body the marks of Christ. Because I do suffer persecution for this. I'm not one who's avoiding the pain and suffering. Well, he bears in his body the marks of Christ. We read in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three and 24, the marks of persecution. He talks about countless beatings, often near death, and says that he received uh, five times. He received at the hand of, hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. That's a lot of beatings. Unbelievable. And then, of course, the closing that Paul leaves us with, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That ends the
book of Galatians, 16 weeks. We probably should have spent more time. (laughs) Definitely could have. Questions? We need questions. It would be sinful to start eating this early today. Statements. Do whatever you'd like to, sir. Well, I'm just uh, surprised that in verse 7 and 8, where he says a person's giving is reflective of their eternal state. Now, I know you can give in a lot more ways than money. You can give of time. You can give of uh, your, you know, talent, so to speak. But it's just amazing how uh, what's down in the wall comes up in the bucket. I mean, it, it's just, I think, I think it ca- could cause a lot of people to question whether they're really in the kingdom or not. If you look at, if you look at your life and whether it's a life of giving, so it should Spirit versus all for yourself. That's just pretty sobering. Very sobering. I know that, um, I don't think I brought it up much, but I know that whenever I've studied the book of Galatians and I looked at um, fleshly and spiritual, uh, for me, it always jumped off the page, fleshly is selfish and spiritual is selfless. Now, I didn't want to oversimplify it, because certainly lost people can portray a selflessness and a selfishness. So, I, you know, again, I didn't want to oversimplify it by using that terminology. Uh, but there is no simpler way to, and we all have bills and obligations. So uh, I think it's important to look at the priorities because we're not being selfish by taking care of our household and relatives. My goodness, we, we need to be uh, not only care for those people, but be gracious with our household and our relatives as well. Uh, but, you know, I, there's no easier way to... Well, we used to say, you know, people don't use checkbooks much anymore. I know, I don't remember the last time I wrote a check. Uh, because I'm selfish, um, but I just don't use a checkbook. My wife does. Um, but um, we used to say years ago, uh, people talk about the heart, and they would say, "Well, I don't, I don't, I can't see your heart, but I can dead sure look at your checkbook, and um, you can see, you know, where where your heart is, um, where your treasure is, and so forth and so on." But it is, yeah. Paul gets very right into our business, doesn't he? And sees where our heart is. But again, you shouldn't carry guilt for the fact that you have a household and you have relatives. Okay? You, you know, uh, my family just got together recently to uh, try to help my mom have some in-home care. And that is a responsibility that, is, that we, should, we should bear. And um, it is what it is. And it should be. And again, as I said... Um, those things will grow on our on us as our as as life goes on and as time goes on in our country, and it should, I believe, 
I believe it should, and it will be new for the next generation, and they will rebel against it because they're, you know, we're secular, but it is an important responsibility that we should bear, and we need to get accustomed to it and not feel shy or ashamed of it. Chris, a really interesting passage that I, I don't hear us talk about ever. I don't think I've ever really heard a sermon on it. So maybe it's one that somebody should teach on. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, when Paul was talking to the Corinthians about their, their giving, just listen to these words, and I'm not I'm going to make any statements on it other than just it's something for you to ponder, for us to ponder. He says, now finish doing, doing it as well, talking about their giving, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For, for the readiness is there, is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. So there is there is an element even in our giving where it seems like Paul desires there to be kind of an equal burden. In other words, if I have you know if I have a hundred million dollars and I give you a thousand dollars, somebody might pat me on the back, but there was no sacrifice in it. I was giving out of what I could use as toilet paper, you know, out of, out of absolutely nothing. And so it just reminds me of the woman who came and gave, you know, such a sacrificial amount uh, as, an, as an offering. And just, I'm throwing out there that, that sometimes our giving, it does, if, it's, if it doesn't hurt a little bit, even just a little bit, we might want to consider whether we're really, whether we're really giving. Yeah, I believe he's using the illustration from the Old Testament of manna in, second, in, in that chapter there. They that gathered much had none left over. They that gathered little had enough. But your point is, 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 is on spot. Absolutely. Um, I've read uh, statistics, studies rather, where they talked about how the middle America gives far more than our wealthy class. And where multimillionaires will give, as you said, ten grand to a cause, which is pennies on the dollar in, in respect to uh, what others have, and so they're they're really not giving, but they're patted on the back for such things. So it's an excellent point. This message was produced by the New Testament Reformation Fellowship, reforming today's church with New Testament church practices. Permission is hereby granted for you to reproduce this message. You can find us on the web at www.ntrf.org. May God bless you as you seek to follow Him in complete obedience to His Word. May your faith in the Lord Jesus be strengthened and your daily walk with Him deepened.